Welcome to Conversations in Business with RSM, where we talk to business leaders and experts to gain valuable insights that will help you move your business forward. Welcome to Conversations in Business with RSM. My name is Henk Heymans. I'm the National Quality Leader for RSM South Africa. We are going to talk about audit committees today. The role of audit committees and auditors in financial reporting has received much attention in the press lately. People in South Africa will recall a case that was very well publicized recently where somebody who was on the board of a listed company uh, was eventually in a difficulty. Questions were asked about her next position where she was appointed in a regulatory position and questions were asked as to her role in the financial reporting of this previous company because she was the audit committee chairman of a company where irregularities were found. So we've now got a position where an audit committee chairman is held responsible for errors that were made in the financial statements by management who prepared the financial statements, the directors who approved it, and the auditors who audited it. It went through all of those processes and the audit committee chair is also held responsible for those uh, alleged or perceived failures. With me today is Michael Juden, who is an admitted attorney, but he is also a member of audit committees. So he is going to talk to me about the roles and responsibilities of audit committees. But before we do that, I'm just going to go through Michael's CV. He was admitted to practice in Johannesburg in South Africa during 1969. He has had extensive experience in local and international commercial transactions and disputes. He is a member of the main King Committee. That's the King Committee on Corporate Governance that everybody will be familiar with. He chaired the subcommittee on the King Committee that wrote the chapter for King 3, dealing with negotiation, mediation, and arbitration. And he was also a member of the task team that wrote King 4. He is a director of and legal advisor to the American Chamber of Commerce in South Africa, known as AmCham. He is also the co-chairman of the Corporate Governance International Development Subcommittee of the American Bar Association's Business Law Section and the International Bar Association, and he is an associate member of the American Bar Association. Michael, thank you very much for joining us and welcome. Thank you very much, Hank. It's a great honor and privilege to be associated with the RSM this morning, and thank you so much for the invitation. My first question that comes to mind is, why is there such a thing as an audit committee? I referred to the previous case where people are now pointing fingers at the audit committee for failures in the financial reporting in a company. Now, surely it is the job of management to report financial reports, and it's the job of the auditors to audit them. So are they both now trying to pass their responsibilities on to the audit committee? Enka, you know... If one uh, Googles the role of an audit committee and its responsibilities, there are literally thousands of articles and everybody has a different view. But I think the one thing that we're all agreed upon is that the primary purpose 
of a company's audit committee is to provide oversight of the financial reporting process, the audit process, the company system of internal controls, and compliance with laws and regulations. And one of the very important tenets of good corporate governance is that one can delegate, but never abdicate. So whilst it is most definitely the role of, the, um, of management to prepare the financial statements and the auditor's job to audit them, it is very important to note that without an audit committee providing oversight of the financial reporting system, things do fail. So management can't, because there is an audit committee, delegate it to them. The auditors can't delegate to the audit committee. Everybody takes their own responsibility. But at the end of the day, we must always remember that these are the director's financial statements. It is the directors that approve them. It is the directors that sign them. It is the directors who engage with the shareholders on them. And they certainly can't delegate and neither can they abdicate to management, to the auditor or to the audit committee. So each one has a, a role to play. And in King, we strongly recommend that notwithstanding that uh, the Act provides only that it must be a listed company or publicly traded company that has an audit committee, we strongly recommend that every organization should have a management committee. And properly aligned, management prepares, auditor audits, directors approve, and the audit committee having its oversight of all of the process, things should work well. Great. I like that quote. There's two quotes that you said that stuck out to me. Delegate, not abdicate. Abdicate. So everyone in this process has a responsibility. As you said, management prepares, directors approve, auditors audit, and the audit committee supervises all of this. I, I like that uh, as, a, as a summary. But now that brings me to another difficult question. How do you put an audit committee together? Because these days, financial reporting is so complicated. Uh, I am an auditor and I can't say that I am an expert on every single financial reporting statement there is out there. We have to defer to experts in our own firm or in our own network. So if I, as an auditor, can't even keep up, and I'm talking about uh, accounting statements, what about tax, what about exchange control, uh, other laws and regulations that a company may be subject to. So how do you put a good audit committee together? Surely you can't have, uh, can you have a generalist or how do we put a good audit committee, a committee together? What is the look of a good audit committee? That's a very good question, Hank. We live in a very complex, knowledge-driven world and it's absolutely impossible, as you've correctly said, to know everything, to be an expert in everything. But we must always remember those very, very wise words of Judge Nicholson in the famous Centro case in Australia, which is a benchmark case for corporate governance all over the world, which is that whilst each director may have specialised knowledge, it is incumbent upon each and every director to have a general knowledge and understanding of the entire business, all of the business of the organisation. 
So like everything in life, there needs to be a balance. So when it comes to a listed company, as you, of course, know, the audit committee is not a committee of the board. It's a statutory committee. The audit committee is approved, uh, is nominated and approved by the shareholders. And it is incumbent upon the shareholders to ensure that when they uh, nominate and approve shareholders to the audit committee, that these are people who have a broad understanding of financial matters. But if one of the big things in today's world is the ability to be able to say, I don't know, I'm not sure, I don't understand. And so audit committee members, like all other members of the board and management, must never hesitate to seek guidance and professional advice in specialized fields where they are wanting. It is not a sign of stupidity to say, I don't know, I don't understand. It's a sign of great emotional and intellectual intelligence to admit that you need guidance or understanding, and we should not hesitate to seek it. And boards should be balanced. This is the very important role of a nomination committee, to nominate directors that cover the whole broad spectrum of financial, of digital, the technical experience which the board needs, and then to ensure that all of the directors have, as Judge Nicholson said, a real understanding of the organization, its business, and how it operates, and never to hesitate to seek guidance, direction, advice from people who are well-versed in particular aspects of the business uh, is something which I strongly urge all directors, management, audit committees, and directors to always do. And there's a lot to be said for uh, diversity. A lot is being said about diversity these days. You mentioned diversity of experiences, and I recall a couple of articles in the last few weeks also about diversity, the benefits of diversity on a board or any working group, and that's something to remember. And as you said, as I, as an auditor, can defer to a financial reporting expert or a tax expert in my audit firm, so can the audit committee member. The audit committee member must also have access to experts and the board and the company must make it possible for that committee to consult with experts. And as you said, that's a sign of maturity to be able to, to consult. Now, okay, once you've consulted on all of that, audit committee members don't have the authority to walk into uh, into the company and ask for for the cash book or ask for the uh, stock records. Uh, in, in fact, even if they did have the authority, audit committee members are busy people, so they don't have the time. Or you may not have been appointed as an expert on stock valuations or something like that. Uh, so you can't go into the company and and change things or uh, or even join the independent audit committee on your own to make sure the audit is effective. So we talk a lot about oversight, but how does the audit committee exercise that oversight? Or more importantly, more importantly, what should the audit, the audit committee do if they are not happy with something and they can't get the information and management isn't, uh, isn't giving in or the auditors on the other side? Because these are two parties that have both got, both got vested interests. What does the audit committee member do having no authority to actually say, this is my final call. Um, uh, what were, and, and, you know, sometimes I've been on these uh, meetings, audit teams, audit partners can be quite, uh, quite assertive 
in how they put things across. And also the same with management members. They are entrepreneurs. So there's a reason why they are there. Uh, they have probably not got there by being um, mild and uh, submissive. So it is difficult to get these people together. What can an audit committee member do? Hank, that's a very profound question which you have just asked. Audit committee members cannot be expected 24 by 7 by 365 to be watching every facet of an organization. It's just not humanly possible. So what is very important for audit committees is to investigate and be comfortable with the culture of the company where one has ethical and conscious leaders, where there's a culture in an organization of accountability, responsibility, and a very, very helpful mechanism in organizations is a sound whistleblowing policy, because that is a very important part of good corporate governance. There are always people in the organization who will feel compelled for whatever motive or reason to bring to the attention of the company matters which aren't being correctly dealt with. So what do audit committee members do? I think my personal view is it lies in their ability to understand the business and to ask the right questions, to interrogate when they are sitting with management, when they are looking at the at all uh, exercising their oversight duty to ask the right questions that implies a sound understanding of the organization's business an understanding of financial matters and the ability to probe and to question those kind of probing deep questions which will unearth matters which have gone wrong in an organization and which they need to focus on. So it's a very difficult issue. You can't be there every minute. You have to rely on management. You have to rely on the directors. You have to rely on the auditors. The culture of the organization is very important, as I've said, and the quality and the probing of the questions with a deep understanding of the business. I almost want to say, you said it's not possible to be there uh, 24-7, 365, but I almost want to say it's not even desirable to be there all the time for the audit committee member because the audit committee member must always remain uh, objective. And if you are there all the time, then you are going to be sucked into the detail and it's better to be to have a bit of distance to see the wood for the trees. And it makes it a bit, it gives you a big picture here. So it probably makes it a little bit easier to, uh, to exercise that independent judgment. I couldn't agree with you more on that. And, um, and I think one needs to understand that whilst one may get to know each other and work well together, when, you're, when the audit committee sit and the audit committee are exercising over their primary purpose of oversight, they must be very, very alert to and aware of the fact that they owe this enormous duty to all of the stakeholders of the organization. And that must be done in a very proper and professional manner. 
and people must not be uh, scared, so to speak, to ask the hard questions That's and right. prepared to receive the hard answers. Absolutely. Being a director is already uh, an enormous duty, as you put it. Uh, being an audit committee member is probably even more onerous and responsible. You become an audit committee member because of expertise in the areas of financial reporting, legal expertise, etc., what is necessary to assist the directors and managers and auditors in discharging their duties in terms of legislation, financial reporting, etc. Um, the, the Companies Act specifically allows the court to hold directors and by extension audit committee members personally liable for losses incurred due to negligence or contravention of the provisions of the Companies Act specifically. Uh, audit committee members, therefore, are, can be personally liable. And uh, if they are concerned about their personal liability, they should reflect very seriously on their responsibilities. Uh, we get to, uh, Michael has mentioned a couple of times, the principle of oversight. We have referred to objectivity. And the audit committee has to be careful that they discharge their responsibility with an objective mindset, as Michael said, asking the hard questions, listening very well, specifically to those areas that relate to the financial statements and the audit. Things like the appointment of the auditors. What are the auditors going to do? And very importantly, the independence of the auditors. If an auditor is not independent, he sort of loses his uh, function in, in his role in the corporate reporting. Auditor has to be independent. And the audit committee can ask those hard questions. If it is the right auditors, right management, are they all doing the right job? That is how the audit committee exercises its supervision of the financial reporting process. Michael, any final words from you before we close off? Just to add to what you've just said uh, on the obligations of the audit committee, as you, of course, know, Hank, and know so well, so well the Johannesburg Stock Exchange report back on proactive monitoring of financial statements in 2020 requires the audit committee to consider the findings and confirm that the company, the organization has taken appropriate action. You know well, schedule three to that report. So mm -hmm. even further obligations have now been placed upon the audit committee. So it is very, very important for audit committee members to fully appreciate the enormous obligation which is placed upon them. And every part, segment of the process, management, the auditors, the audit committee, the directors, always to remember the enormous obligation which is upon them to ensure that when stakeholders receive the annual financial statements, they accurately and correctly reflect the business of and affairs and results of the company. They have that duty and that obligation. Very important to discharge it in an ethical and conscious way. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned the JSE requirement because as we are, we are reporting this podcast in South Africa on at the beginning of March and the JSE uh, request for that confirmation has actually just been published 
uh, last week. So it's obviously front of Michael's mind. He is going to be signing that soon for listed companies. So good luck with that. Thank you very much uh, for joining us today. I think it's been a very insightful discussion and I hope the listeners found benefit in it as well. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Hank. That was Conversations in Business with RSM. Experience the power of being understood. Experience RSM. Visit rsmza.co.za.